beautiful song. They're all beautiful songs. <laughs> They're all beautiful songs. All right. Let's go to our Bible study tonight. And if you open your Bibles in this book of 2 Kings chapter 6, 2 Kings chapter 6, let's look at verse 8. 2 Kings 6 verse 8. Look at this one tonight here. The Bible says, in verse 8 says, Then the king of Syria warned against uh, Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall we shall be my camp. And the man of God sent, uh, sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware uh, that thou pass not such a place, for did it. Uh, the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him off and saved himself there now once, uh, now once, not twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was so troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which, which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elijah. The prophet that is in Israel, telling the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. That shall we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much for this passage of Scripture. I just pray, Father, as we look at your word tonight, give us something we can take home, we can apply to our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, um, who has, um, what's the name of that new um, uh, Alexa? Is that Alexa? The little thing that we have that listens everything we say. Is that Alexa? <laughs> I think I think the king of Syria had Alexa in his bedchamber. <laughs> Alexa was telling was telling everybody, I'm just kidding, telling everybody about it. But it's an interesting story right here that we're gonna look tonight. So as we look at this message tonight from our, our own viewpoint, it would have been more logical for the Lord to uh, appoint Eli- Elijah the son of Thunder, to, con- to confront the, en- the, the uh, enemy of Israel. Uh, but instead, the Lord pointed Elijah, Elijah, the, the, the quiet farm boy. Sometimes we think that we know everything, don't we? And then everything looks good from our viewpoint. But it's amazing what the Lord does. The Lord uses the insignificant, the ones that are very high in society many times, to, to, to make us point across and, and, to, and to be glorified. Uh, the Lord does that all the time. But, you know, we, we have a tendency to pinpoint people, oh, this one, because of our own intuition. But God does the opposite. Who would think, who would think that the Lord would go to, uh, come to this world and choose fishermen to be his disciples? I mean, man with no education, simple people, or everyday life, or the ordinary people of this world, you know, just simple people, and God would use them. Who would think God would do that? But God, but He did, and and you know, uh, uh, and here He doesn't lose Elijah because Elijah is gone and loses Elijah here. But it's interesting how this passage goes goes about here. So, I'm afraid that sometimes, if we don't be careful, sometimes we think we the way we act and, and the way we respond to things, we know more than God. But the reality is that is that is. Uh, uh, 
God knows more than us, and that's a reality of it. God knows because He's been along, uh, uh, around a lot longer than us, and we've been around just for a little while. But sometimes by our own actions and behaviors, we think know that we, we act like we know more than God. So right here we have an interesting passage right here. So it was there, uh, it was there other, uh, let me go back, I don't know what I wrote here, but anyway. When we look at this passage here, we see an interesting thing here. Is that a king is plotting uh, and he's talking about his plans in his own bedchamber. And uh, somewhere, somehow, the king of Israel knew about it. <laughs> and he, he's accusing his, his own people like, who's the one who's uh, uh, for the king of Israel? Who's the one who's going to tell the, telling the king every word that I'm saying? Well, Alexa wasn't there, you know, somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Alexa is in it. Isn't that amazing today how you talk about something and before you know, you open your phone and the phone is full of stuff? And he said, I didn't even search this stuff. Facebook is one of them too. You know, I just say, I like this truck. And before you know, I think trucks everywhere. I don't know. I was like, okay. But it's interesting, you know, no, no more privacy. Right here's the same thing. The guy has no privacy because somebody is spying on him. It was, it was Alexa. Let's see. Let's look at this from several points tonight, okay? It's an interesting uh, lesson right here. So, number one, we see the God who sees. From verse 8 to verse 14, we see the God who sees. Folks, there are many people in this world who think that God is not aware of what is going on here in our world. They, they, you know, they live life, they talk, they behave, whatever they're doing. Like God is like way far away in some galaxy out there, and He doesn't know anything what's going on on planet Earth. But the reality, if we are people of the Bible and the Word of God, we know God is very aware of what's going on in our world. Okay, so they think that God is just too far away. Like I said, something that God, some even think that God does not doesn't exist. But the truth is that our God is very real. And he is very much aware of what's going on on planet Earth. Not only that, not only that, but that he also sees everything in both good and bad. God knows evil and knows good. He sees what's going on. He saw what the children of Israel did. And, you know, he, he, he corrects them. And he sees what we do too. He sees what everybody does because God is everywhere. Okay? So let's look. God, the God who sees. Number one, we see the spy. Look what it says in verse 8. Then the king of Syria warned against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the men of God sent, sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass now such a place, for thither the Syrians, the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the men of God told him, and warned him of, and saved uh, himself there not once nor twice. You see, this happened more than one time here on which this guy is making his plans and Elijah knows what's going on, tells the king of Israel. So someone was leaking information from the camp of the Syrians right to the king of Israel. Now let me put it this way. Now the king of Israel is no believer, all right? He's no believer. He has his own gods. Now he's, he finds out that Somewhere, somehow, the king of Israel is getting all this information. Now, imagine this man, okay? He gets in his own camp. He gets all of his, his people together and say, okay, who's the spy here? You just think about it. Logically, think about it. Like, he's like, somebody here is leaking this information. Probably losing sleep over this. 
You know, like everything that I said, this guy knows about everything. So we know it's a spy here. Who's the spy? So someone was leaking information here. We know from Scripture that the man delivering the information was none other than Elijah, who himself was getting information from the Lord. So with Elijah, uh, was, uh, uh, Elijah was the one getting information. So the Lord was, was the spy here. Okay? So the king of Assyria is looking for a spy. Who in the world is giving this information? You know who the spy was? God. He's the one who's listening. He's the one who's telling Elijah what <laughs> the other one was telling. But I mean, <laughs> go tell this man, oh, God is listening to you. He's going to go like, yeah, right. Somebody's here telling, is, uh, uh, is uh, leaking information. But anyway, what we see right here. So the Lord was the spy here. He was watching and listening to the wicked plans of the Assyrians. And he formed Elijah uh, of the danger ahead. So whenever the Assyrians plan to have a, a border raid against Israel, the Lord gives Elijah the information so that he could warn the king. And well, guess what? Every time they come, they already knew about it. It's like uh, Alexa was, was there in that house. <laughs> there was no social media in those days, folks. It was nothing. But anyway, we see them. Number one, we see the spy. Number two, we see the reaction. Look at verse 11. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was so troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of, you, of us is for the king of Israel? This guy, it was troubled. This guy probably was anger, angry. This guy, like, he wanted to find out who in the world is leaking information. And, you know, somebody said right there to him, oh, God is listening. I don't think he would receive that very well. I said, I tell you, don't use that excuse to me. Somebody in here is listening to this, and he's going to leak the information to the king. So his reaction is he's very troubled. Actually, the Bible says he was so troubled for this thing. So this stuff was heard for the, uh, was, uh, was hard for the king of Syria. He thought that he had a traitor in his own camp. Can you imagine? All right. We're all here talking. And shh, I'm going to tell you a secret. Okay? Get leak out of this room. You know? Then the next day, everybody knows. Okay? I'm going to tell you guys. Hey. Who of you went out there and leaked information of what happened in this room? Okay, in our own carnal minds, let's say Brother Tom would say, Oh, God is the one who listened. Brother Tom, really? <laughs> what a lame excuse. <laughs> I mean, just think, this guy's not even a believer. But see, that's what happened here. You see, he's so troubled. Think about it. Every time the king of Assyria made plans to invade Israel, God would have given the information to Elijah. Of course, this man is, is, a, is a non-believer. So this man is thinking that there is a traitor in the camp. You see this in verse 11. No, verse 12 makes this thing even more interesting. Look at verse 12. And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elijah the prophet that is in Israel, telling the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy, look at this, bad chamber. Okay. If this guy has some common sense, he would say, how in the world Elijah gets in my bad chamber? 
How in the world did he walk all the way here to listen to this? Obviously, mm, you know. So now, the king's servants informed him that Elijah was speaking the very words. He was speaking of his own bad, you know, that he was speaking his own bad chamber. In other words, every word that this man spoke, God heard and was informing Elijah. Now, isn't it interesting that the God of Israel is seeing and uh, uh, seeing and 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 and, and listen to him speaking, but but the God of Baal. And the, the king of Assyria is actually like a dead God, which is not listening to anything. But the God of Israel, guess what? Was listening. Was Baal. No way. But the God of, of Israel, Jehovah God, was listening until Elijah. Baal, on the other hand, could never have done this for King Joram. Do you want to know why? It is because idols don't have eyes to see. They don't have ears to hear. They are dead sculptures. They do not feel, speak, hear, or see. They are nothing but idols. You know, I tell you what. If you're watching online tonight and you bow down before an idol or before a statue, you are praying, you're worshiping a dead God. And you say, well, how you worship God? We worship God of the Bible in spirit and in truth. Nah, and this with this man, this man is, uh, uh, Baal did not answer anything, did not hear anything, because it was just a dead thing. So, Baal, on the other hand, could never have done this for the king of Israel. So, they are nothing but idols. Actually, look, go to Psalm chapter 11, verse uh, 115, I'm sorry, verse 4. Talks about a little bit idols right here. But the Bible is clear about idols and what they do. Psalm 115 verse 4. Look what it says. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they, hand, they handle not. Feet have they but they walk not, neither speak they through their throat. You see what God says right here? That's an idol. And God says, when you bow down before an idol, that's what happens. They don't hear you, they don't see you, they don't even know you're there. That was Baal. So get this, please. The Lord sees not only the actions of people, but also their thoughts. And the Bible says that God is not like man. God looks in the heart. Our God is a God who sees everything, even what's going on inside of our hearts. Go to Psalm 94, verse 11. Look what it says about the heart right there. Psalm 94, verse 11. I'll give you some verses here. It says, The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. In Psalm 139, verse 1, the Bible says there, um, this is the Psalm of David, it says, O Lord, thou hast searched me, and know me, that knowest my downsitting and mine uprising, thou understandest my thoughts afar off, thou compassest my path and my living down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, o, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. You see, God knows the heart of man. So we see what we see here. We see the spy. We see the reaction. 
And number three, or let us see, we see the conspiracy. Look what in verse 13 it says, And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it, and it, and it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Uh, verse 14 it says, Therefore send he, he did, did it, horses and chariots and a great ho ho uh, host, I'm sorry, that they came by night and compassed the city about. So why such a reaction? So they know now the one who's leaking information is nothing but Elijah. But this man doesn't stop and say, how in the world this guy is getting information from here? I don't see him around my bed chamber. How in the world? Obviously, he gets the information from somebody else. But no, the conspiracy right here, let's go and, and take him and kill him. Interesting. So, why so many horses and chariots and a great host of soldiers for one man? We definitely can see that this king was not a believer, far from it. This king didn't stop to think that it was actually impossible for Elijah to now to know about everything that he has planned, every time he planned, that he knew about it. So the logical solution was to get rid of Elijah. Once again, we see the ignorance of this king, for if Elijah knew every scheme the king planned for, uh, for, uh, as he border, border the, the, or, uh, tried to raid the borders of, uh, of Israel, uh, surely he wouldn't, know as, uh, uh, he wouldn't know as well as he did. He knew every detail. How do you know that? Obviously, somebody else was telling him that. You know? So what we see right here, we see the God who sees. God sees. Listen, many people in this world think that God doesn't see, that God doesn't know, that God is unaware of what's going on in our world, so they live like they don't want to be accountable to the God who created them. He said, God, God doesn't know what's going on here. You know what? He knows very well what's going on. He knows what's going on. So the God who sees. Number two, we see the God who protects. The God who protects. Look at verse 15. And when the servant of God... Uh, uh, of the men of God was risen early, uh, gone forth. Behold, the host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And a servant said unto him, All is my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. It's interesting right here. You know what? God was protecting his man. I tell you what. Elijah saw it. A servant was not seen. It's an interesting thing, concept right here. I think many times, maybe when we get to heaven, we will see how many times... We've been protected by the Lord, and we did not see it. Amen. How many times there was protection around us, and we did not see it? Because right here, what we see is a great protection. It's an interesting thing right here. Uh, is it, as this servant, glorified this, was not Gehazi right here, for he had been removed and replaced. This young man was... Uh, uh, was another one, an early riser here, which speaks well of him, but he was still uh, uh, kind of didn't understand it. He was afraid of what he saw because he was looking by sight. You know what? He saw the horses. He saw the soldiers. He saw that great host uh, uh, around them, and he was afraid. You know, look what Elijah, interesting what Elijah does, right, Elijah does right here. Look what it says in verse 17. 
And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. See, this young man was afraid, but he didn't pray to the Lord to take his fear away. He prayed to the Lord that he would open his eyes so he could see what he was seeing. You know, a lot of times in our troubles of life and when we're in trouble, we forget God. You ever been there? We forget God. We forget who we are. We forget our God and our power for years. And how many times we see the hand of the Lord, and after we say, oh, Lord, thank you for being there for me. But we fail to see him when we were in the, in, in the midst of the tri trials or troubles, whatever we were. Because you know what? How will God protect us? He's a protector of his children. And right here, you know what? This great host came. I don't know why, but this great host came here to get Elijah. God already knew that he was coming. And God sent his angels and horses there and, and when, when the servants, the eyes were open, he saw that whole multitude. And it's amazing, an amazing thing right here. So our God is a wonderful God. As we look at this passage, we, uh, we, can, we can't help but see that our God is a God, the God who protects and He protects us. Elijah didn't trouble, like I said, uh, himself about the army that surrounded him. His first concern was for the frightened servant. And, and if this young man was, was going to walk with Elijah and serve God, this young man needed to see the God of Israel was a God that protects us and would protect him. Now we probably would have prayed that the Lord would give peace to this young man's heart in the midst of that chaotic moment. But Elijah pay, pray for God to open his eyes. And no, I think sometimes we need to do, that's what we need to do. Lord, open my eyes so I can see you. I can see who you are and what you can do. And many times what happens in, in the situations of life, we, we get submerged by the, the circumstances around us. And we fail to, to understand literally who we are. Who are you? Okay, if we in the midst of circumstances say, and we, we go like this, who am I? A child of the great king. My father loves me. If my father loves me, he knows exactly where I am right now. And I believe he's going to protect me. You know, it comes to a point where we have to say, Lord, I trust you completely. I have enough faith to believe that. Open my eyes so I can see your goodness. You know, it is amazing. Uh, we say sometimes, you know, uh, you know, I'll give this thing right. You know, you know that, that, that foot in the sand? That is just, you know, the marks in the sand. And it, that's what happened to a lot of us. A lot of, we go into the midst of trials and troubles and tribulations of life. And, and we struggle along. You know, we, we struggle many times. We hurt and we cry. And, and, and we, we, we lose hope many times. We get very discouraged. And then when we get to the end, we say, oh, Lord, we were there the whole time. What about if we, when we get to it, we say, Lord, open my eyes so I can see that you are there with me. Because that's exactly what, see, the footsteps in the sin, it shows us that he's been carrying us the whole time. But we fail to see. This young man, if it was not for Elijah to pray for him, he would fail to see that God always on time, that God takes care of his own. And you know what? He said, open his eyes so he can see. And you know what? He saw what Elijah was already seeing. 
God was there, ready to defend his children. So number one, we see the God who sees. Number two, the God who protects. Number three, he said, the God who shows mercy. Look at verse 18. And when they came down to him, Elijah prayed to the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. Ah, <laughs> that's an interesting prayer right here. You know what? These guys came for war, and Elijah prayed for blindness. And he smote them with blindness, according to the words of Elijah. And Elijah said unto, unto them, This is not the way, neither is the, this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom ye seek. But he led them, led them to Samaria. And it came to pass, when they were come to Samaria, that Elijah said, Lord, open the eyes of these men, that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And so where in the world is going on here? So those of us who know the Lord personally know that our God is a merciful God. Could the Lord just kill all those men right there? Could it kill all that, that, those, those Assyrians? Yes, He could have. But the Lord answered the prayer of His servant. It's a purpose for this prayer. But it's an interesting. Listen, listen. We have to understand this. Our God is a loving God. He loves us. He cares about us. He protects us. But He's a God of mercy. It's by His mercy that he, we're not consumed. That's what the Bible says. Our God is very merciful. He's very merciful to His children. Look at the children of Israel in the wilderness. Complaining, complaining, and more complaining, and more complaining, and God's mercy, and God's mercy and grace towards them continually. You put it this way. Isn't that the same way towards us? It's the same thing. We think like, ah, oh, we're never like the Israelites. Some of us are even worse. <laughs> but God is merciful. Okay, and He's merciful to these people right here. They're not even believers. Do you believe that God is merciful to those who are not saved? Yes, He is. Folks, it is because of His mercy that we're not consumed. And right here in this passage, we see the same thing. We see the mercy of the Lord in full display towards the enemies of Elijah and the enemies of Israel. So now Elijah didn't ask the Lord to command this, his angelic armies to destroy them. He did not uh, to destroy the, the, this Syrian troops, but, but to cause the, uh, them to experience blindness. Now as, as with nations today, the defeat uh, uh, only promotes retaliation and Ben-Hadad, that's the king of the Assyrians here, would have sent another company of soldiers here. So God gave Elijah a much better plan. He has just prayed that the Lord would open his eyes, as a servant's eyes, but how he prayed that God would, would somehow put a cloud in his eyes so this man, these men could walk all the way to Samaria. So the soldiers weren't made totally blind, is the word. Otherwise, they couldn't have followed Elijah but this, but this sight was clouded in such a way that they were not able to see. Uh, they were able to see, but not comprehend where they were going. They were under the delusion that they were being led to the house of Elijah, but Elijah was leading them down to the city of Samaria. When Elijah went out of to meet the the Syrian troops, he did he did not lie to them. 
because he was no longer in the city of Dalton. He was actually going to Samaria. So the prophet was actually saying, saving their lives for King Joram, or the king of, of Israel, or who uh, you've been in charge, would have killed them. Verse, look at verse 21. And the king of Israel said unto Elijah, when he saw them, my father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? So, okay, according to the king, what will happen to those soldiers? They'll be all dead. And he says, then my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? Elijah had a different purpose here. What in the world is Elijah doing here? Elijah did bring the troops to the men uh, they wanted. They, they, when the army arrived at Samaria, the guards must have been shocked to see the prophet leading the troops. But they, they obediently opened the gates of the city. Can you imagine that? Like the, the Syrians are coming in the city. Let's just open the gates. <laughs> and they open the gates and everybody's following Elijah. There's a purpose here, folks. God is good. All right? He's good all the time. God is merciful. It is a purpose here. This is great. <laughs> now imagine this surprise when they find themselves in this capital city at the mercy of the Israelites. So King Jordan would have killed the Assyrians, soldiers, and claimed to have a great victory that day, but Elijah intervened. Actually, the king graciously uh, called Elijah father. The term used by servants for the, for the master, but the... Uh, but the interesting how he, the king calls Elijah's father. You see, Elijah replied, took the matter entirely out of the king's hands. Had Joram defeated his army in battle? No. But if he had, he could kill the prisoners right here. But if he had him, then uh, uh, he would kill them. But, but you know, Elijah said, they're mine. I did my responsibility. So Joram, I mean, they were Elijah's guests. So the king's responsibility is what? Okay, if you have a gas in your house, what is your responsibility? Feed them. Give them a place to sleep. Give them a place to rest. Feed them. So Elijah brings all the soldiers all the way to Samaria. The king said, should I smite them? And Elijah said, no, 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 they're my guests. They walk in in the city of Samaria and guess what they're going to do now? They were Elijah's guests, so the king's responsibility was to feed the enemy. Is that feed the enemy? Listen, in the New Testament, it's even, it's even harder. God says for us to uh, pray for those who do, do this and do that and do that to us. And in the book of Romans, it says for us to put like coals of fire on them. And say, vengeance is mine, I will repay it, say the Lord, give everything to the Lord. But right here, the responsibility to feed them. Jordan knew, or the king, knew that having a meal with them was the same as making a covenant with them. Genesis chapter 26, verse 26 to 31. In fact, he went beyond the prophet's request for bread and water and prepared a great feast for the soldiers. Folks, peace, listen to this, and diplomacy is always better than war. You follow that? Wars brings what? Famine, headaches, and pain. War is costly and painful. War causes many people to lose their lives. Yes, sometimes war is necessary, but many times it can be avoided by simply communicating communication from both sides. Look what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If it is possible, as much as light in you, live peacefully with all men. 
Get this. Solomon pen, uh, penned it down this way in Proverbs 21, 25, 21. If thy enemy hungry, give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. In verse 22 says, For, for thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. Wow. So actually, Paul quoted this same verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 20 and 21, for our, us believers today. You see, also, uh, see also similar words coming from Jesus in Matthew 5, 43 to 48, and Luke 6, 27. Get this, King Joram wanted the to physically kill the Assyrian soldiers, but Elijah killed them with kindness. But eating together, they made a covenant of peace. And that was Elijah's purpose. You follow that? Much people were saved that day because Elijah, instead of praying that the Lord would kill them all, Elijah just prayed for blindness and God gave, him, gave those soldiers that blindness enough so they could see all the way, the dissolution that when they had, they, they walked all the way to, to, to Samaria. And when they're there, there was a covenant made. A covenant with peace. Interesting here. By eating together, they made a, a covenant of peace. Then the Assyrian band would no longer raid the borders of Israel. Would this approach avoid many conflicts today? Probably. Probably. Robert has a problem with me. Robert, hey, and Robert goes, hey, brother, let's go have a cup of coffee. I have a sandwich together, and he goes. <laughs> you, you follow what I'm saying? A lot of things can be, <laughs> a lot of things can be avoid over a cup of coffee. I'm just saying a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or a cup of water. You know, it, it can be avoid on that. You know, how many wars can be can be peaceful? talks if both sides were willing to talk. And here, what happens right here? Uh, Elijah says, bring them down, humble them, bring them to the city. And there were as guests, and guess what? Food was made in those days. It was a sign of covenant right here. And there it goes. We must remember that Israel, listen to this, is a covenant nation, and that the Lord fought their battles. No other uh, nation could claim these privileges. But if kindness replaced long-standings and deep-rooted ethnic and religious difference among people, as well as a national pride and international greed, there would, would no doubt be fewer wars and, 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 and bombings and all kinds in our days than if were people more willing to communicate. The same principle applies to ending uh, all kinds of conflicts between co-workers and friends and all kinds of stuff if people are willing to talk. Okay. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to, I'm going to let you know what you need to hear. That's now you approach talking. You follow that? Sit down because I'm going to tell you really what you need to hear. That's not communication. Communication is I got a problem, I got a problem. We sit down and we come to a common thing. Okay. If you work in a corporation, I mean, I go to meetings every day. Okay. When the people talk and sit down for meetings, what they do? They try to come to a common purpose. Right. They have a goal. What are we going to do? Conflicts can never be resolved if 
one come and boom, drop the bomb, and the other one say, whoa, can, let's sit down, let's talk. And in the end, whoever realizes wrong can say, oh, I was wrong about this. You see that? It can avo- many things can be avoided if I believe in communication. Let's <clears throat> communicate with each other. Otherwise, it doesn't work. So, in many things, communications are not possible because one way is like, mm, I'm going to sit with you, but war, that doesn't work. Okay, so, let's go to point number four. The God who keeps his covenant. It gets ugly here, folks. Look at verse 24. And it come to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, Ben-Hadad, right? Ben-Hadad, Ben-Hadad, King, I'm sorry? Ben-Hadad, Ben-Hadad, thank you, Ben-Hadad. King of Syria gathered all his hosts and went up to besiege Samaria. So you say, well, what happened here to that covenant of peace that they made? So the border raid stopped, but Ben-Hadad decided it was time for war again. You see, some rulers think that they have to prove themselves to, uh, uh, to their people by defeating and, and looting and, and, and destroying other countries. And this happens even in our day. They think that, let me show you how strong I am. And a lot of innocent people die in the process. So this time he went, uh, he sent a full army and he sends to have, uh, and you have to have, he seemed to have caught King Joran, uh, Joran uh, totally unprepared, perhaps the peace along the borders looted the king of Israel to that it wouldn't happen again, but it did happen, and this guy comes to the city. So, folks, that is a mistake. Let me put it this way. That because we are war too. Remember this. Just trying to make a little application here. Okay, this guy didn't, didn't, didn't maybe was not prepared that the, 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 the Syria is going to invade again, and it happened. But you know what? If something happens here, the children of Israel broke their covenant with God. And God actually said this was going to happen to them. What about us? We are at war too, aren't we? Aren't we at war? Don't you ever think that uh, enemy put their weapons down? He never does. He's always at the attack. He's always ready to attack. We need to be prepared. We should never get caught on guard like this king did. Letter A, we see a hard situation. From verse 24 all the way to verse 30, we see a very hard situation. Look what it says. And it came to pass that after these, that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his hosts and went up and besieged Samaria, the city of Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And behold, they, they besieged it until a ass had and was sold for fourscore pieces of silver and a fourth part of a cab of doves dung five pieces of silver and the king of Israel by, uh, was passing by upon the wall they cry a woman unto him saying help my lord O king and he said if the lord do not help thee hence shall I help thee out of the, the barn floor uh, uh, or out of the, the vine press and the king sa- uh, said unto her what hailed and uh, uh, what ailed thee and she answered this woman said unto me give thy son that we may eat him today and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him. And she had hid, hid her son. 
And it came to pass after the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes and he passed upon the wall. And the people looked and behold, he had suck, uh, suck cloth uh, uh, within upon his flesh. Listen, folks, this is something very, very hard going on here. Can you imagine how this came to be to a point where people were eating their own children? That's pure starvation going on in here. So the siege of Samaria by the Syrians lasted so long that the people in the city were starving. It seems that Elijah had counseled the king to wait, verse 33, promising the Lord would do something, but the longer they wait, the worse the circumstances became. But, it, but, but tell you what, if we come to that point, if a people come to that point that they have to eat their own children, is that trusting God? I think I would starve to death before I would do that. How in the world, how desensitized can you be? How far away from God can you be to the point you even commit such an act? You see, they broke God's covenant and they were so far removed from God that we, they didn't even contemplate themselves doing that. You know, suppose like parents would die for their children? In this case right here is the parents killing the children in order to survive. Where is the trust in God here? I read this passage, it gives you chills, you know, even to think of it. If you try to submerge your mind into it, I'm like, wow. Can you go so low to that point? They're negotiating, oh, I, you kill yours today and you kill mine tomorrow. Wow. But we must remember that God warned, warned that they, it would, he would punish his people if they fail to live up to the terms of his covenant. Among his punishments were military defeat. We see this in the book of Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Uh, uh, throughout these books we see about these promises. So had King Joram killed his people to repent, I mean, uh, told his people to repent and pray about the situation, God would intervene, but he did not. To repeat, the people were reduced to eating unclean food such as donkeys' heads and doves' droppings. And for these, uh, they have... They paid a great amount of money because there was no food in the city. They were dying there. This, but, but let me tell you, folks, this too was predicted, uh, predicted punishment for breaking God's covenant. Actually, I want you to go with me to Leviticus chapter 26, verse 27. Let's look at this. And God was very specific about it, about you break my covenant, this is what's going to happen to you. Notice what it says in Leviticus 26. Look what it says. God gives a warning here. It says, and if... He's just giving the warning. Say, if you do this, and if ye will not, for all this hearken unto me, but walk contrary unto me. Look what it says. And I will walk contrary unto you, also in fury. And I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. And ye shall eat, look what it says, the flesh of your sons and the flesh of your daughters shall ye eat. Many centuries before, God warns the children of Israel of this. He said, if you walk away from me, if you walk so far away from me, this is what's going to happen to you. And it happens. Okay, let it be. We see the blame. Verse 31. 
Then he said, God, uh, God to sow and more also to me, if the head of Elijah, the son of uh, Saphet, shall stand on him this day. When things don't go the way we want or the way we plan, it is always easy to blame someone else. When we make mistakes, it's always easy to blame others. When we, see, when we sin against the Lord, it's always easy to blame the Lord for it. Blaming others is not something uh, new for, uh, for us because it started in the Garden of Eden. Adam blamed the wife and the wife blamed the serpent. And since then, people always deviate their faults away from, from themselves towards others. So Joram was appeared that, uh, that the nation had fallen so low and he publicly tore his robe and not a sign of sorrow and repentance, but evidence of his anger at God and Elijah. When he did, he exposed the fact that he was not, he was wearing a, 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 a he was not trusting God at all. He's, tr he's not trusting God at all. He, he's getting mad at the men of God. So his next words make us clear that he took no responsibility for the siege and the famine that he wanted to murder, and he, then he wanted to murder Elijah. So the king sent a messenger to, to arrest Elijah here to take him uh, out to kill him. But the prophet wasn't upset or worried, for the Lord always told Elijah everything he needed to know. As the prophet sat at his house with, his elder, the, with the elders of the land the, uh, who had come to him for counsel and help, he knew that, that the arresting officer was on their way to his house. He also knew that the king himself would follow him to make sure that the execution was a success. So Elijah was already made, made it clear that he didn't accept the authority of the king of Israel because King Joram was not on the line of David. But interesting here, who is in charge there? The king. Who didn't manage that well? The king. When things got worse, who is he blaming? God, the man of God. And now he's going to kill him. Listen, killing Elijah here does not resolve the situation. It's still people starving to death down in the city. So, king, what are we going to do about this situation here? Oh, let's go kill him. That, that, it doesn't solve anything. You see, but that's the problem of, of us and problem of many of us. And a lot of human beings, not say all of us, from time to time, you know what? It's easy to blame somebody else that takes the responsibility ourselves. You know, I am wrong. I did it. It was me. No, 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 that was, we blame somebody else. Shift the blame to somebody else. And right here, this king doesn't see his responsibility. He blames Elijah. So, look what it says in verse 32. And Elijah sat in his house, and the elders sat with him, and the king sent a man uh, from before him, uh, but uh, the messenger came to him and said to the elders, See you now that the son, this son of a murder had sent to take away mine head. Look, when the messenger cometh, shut the door and hold him fast at the door, is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while I yet talk with him, behold, the messenger came down unto him and said, Behold, this, this evil is of the Lord. What shall I wait for the Lord any longer? Elijah commanded the elders to hold the door shut until both men were outside. Being kept waiting at the door didn't help the king's temple one bit. But he called to Elijah, Behold, this evil is of the Lord. What shall I wait for the Lord any longer? So he's, this man is angry at God, and he's angry at Elijah. You know, what do you do when things don't go your way? 
What do you do when things don't go your way? Who do you blame? Who do I blame? When do the, don't things, when, you know, when plans don't fall the way you want, when things don't go the way we want, you know, it goes the opposite, who do we blame? See, it's easy to blame somebody else. This guy says right here, that's enough. This is a, it's your fault and God's fault. Who's the leader? Let's go to number five. The God who fulfills his promises. We'll go to chapter 7, verse 1. Then Elijah said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shackle and two measures of barley for a shackle in the gate of Samaria. Then the Lord whose hand the, the, the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord will make windows in heaven, my uh, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, I shall see it with thine eyes. Thou shalt not eat thereof. It's a, thou shalt, I'm sorry, thou shalt not eat thereof. See, he comes here with the thing, okay? The people are starving. The people are starving, right? He blames God. He blames Elijah. And God says, Tomorrow there will be food. If the people would trust God, the people won't be killing their own children and eating their own children. If they trust God. But they're far removed from God. The only thing in their minds was survival. They didn't care about their own children. How can you be so far removed that your children don't mean nothing to you? Think about it. How can a parent go and make shish kebab out of their kids? I cannot understand that. We see letter A, the good news from the Lord, verse 1 and verse 2 of chapter 7. How fortunate it was for the king, the kingdom of Israel that they had Elijah, the prophet, living and ministering among them. Throughout Hebrew history, in times of crisis, the prophet had the message from God. God's people, where they would, and, and he would give it to the people. Many times they would not obey. We see this is, this is very to the to the to the ears, we see this many times. The prophets of God, or the spokesmen of God, they told the people what God was saying. And many times what they did, they did not believe. What they did to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah said to the people, he was preaching to the people, they would not listen to what he said. They hated him. You know what? It happens to many other prophets. All right. Then you say, Pastor, but we're not in the, in the days of the prophets. No. We're in the days of grace. What we do with what we hear from God's word. You follow that? The prophet spoke the words of God to the people, to the kings, and many times they never obeyed. What about today? In the age of grace, is in God's word being preached, teach, and proclaimed? Amen. What we do with it? You see? It's the same words, the same word of God. What we do with it? Good news. For them, where he was good news that food was coming the next day. And it did. We're going to see the next, the next chapter. We're going to see the five strange messengers right there, or lepers were there. The food's going to come. We're going to see it when, next time we meet. But I tell you what, something right here. You know what? God fulfills his promises. Right. God takes care of his people. But you know what? 
in his time. Sometimes things get hard, but God is aware where we are. We have to patiently wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. I personally think I would die of starvation before I would even commit such an act. I believe all of us here would do the same thing. But these people did not. But God fulfills His promises. In His time, food was there. What happened to the king? He blamed God. He blamed Elijah. Not his fault. It was Elijah's fault. In closing, let me close with these thoughts. A lot of the things that we reap in life is always the fruit of our own doing. The children of Israel were in that predicament because they broke their covenant with the Lord. But in spite of it, Elijah, God's spokesman, tells this wicked king that food will be available once again. Did he believe the words of Elijah? No. But his unbelief did not change the fact that God is faithful. Okay? May we learn that in spite of our tendencies to go in the ways of sin, God is always faithful to us. In spite of our unloving ways many times towards the Lord, He is still faithful to us. How many people in this world that don't believe in God, but God's still faithful? He sends the rain. He sends the sunshine. He brings the food. But they don't believe God. But God continually is faithful every day. They eat because God provides. You say, no, 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 listen. How in the world can out of dirt come food? Go to another planet, try to put some seeds on the, on the ground, see if anything's going to come out. God is faithful, even to those who don't believe Him. What a wonderful God we serve, isn't it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Help us, Lord, not to ever shift blame to anyone, but be responsible for our own uh, mistakes, Lord, that we do, and our own things that we do. Help us to be responsible for that. We live in an age, Lord, on which... The blame is being shifted all over the place. May we Christians don't be like that. Help us to be faithful, to trust you. Even, Lord, when life hurts badly, help us to trust you. In Jesus' name I pray.